Deep diving again on another 49ers draft pick, our final draft pick. There's still some undrafted free agents to get to, but Robert Beal Jr., the edge rusher out of Georgia. Strengths, weaknesses, how does he fit into the San Francisco 49ers defense? Coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to the everydayers. Hope you had a great Memorial Day holiday. Croc and I back at it here. Bringing down another prospect for you, Robert Beal Jr., Georgia edge defender, fifth round pick for the 49ers. Uh, what we think he's going to do in the NFL, where he wins, where he doesn't, what he needs to work on, all of that from looking at that Georgia film of the prospect and the 49ers rookie. And a question about Steve Wilkes. How different do we expect the 49ers defense to be under yet another defensive coordinator in 2023? All that coming up on today's episode, which is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book, official sports book of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Okay, Robert Beal Croc. The, I mean, he, he put on a show at the Combine as far as the testing numbers for, uh, for Robert Beal. And when you're talking about back-to-back national champion Georgia defense that just sent a ton of guys to the league and a player that was one of the, the starters on that defense, in the 2022 season, Robert Beal Jr., six foot three, just short of six foot four, 247 pounds at the combine, 35, uh, nearly 35 inch arms, 34 and five eighths inch arm length, big hands, 10 inch plus, ran four, four, four in the 40 yard dash crock with a 30 inch vertical, 10 three broad jump, uh, didn't run the agilities at the combine, did run agilities at the Georgia Pro Day though. Which was four four two in the short shuttle and seven two six in the three cone with fourteen bench press reps. So some some great and some pretty average testing numbers depending on what portion of the uh, the spectrum the there you know there's an explosion score if you're looking at relative athletic scores there's an explosion score there's a change of direction score there is you know size score and there is a speed score and on the speed score he absolutely scores very high. But uh, before we get too deep into what he what he did in the testing and what his testing numbers were, Croc. We gotta we gotta dive into the tape a little bit. And when you put on George's tape and you saw number thirty three out there, what did you think when you watched him on tape? Well, I think we do have to start with the testing. And I'm holding up a bag. It's not a flag. It's red though. If you're, if oh, you're okay. on YouTube right now, make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit the notification bell so you know when we go live. But I'm holding up a, a red bag. It's supposed to be a flag. And I think he's a huge red flag. Just hearing that, right? If I mm. if if I did not know anything about him, right? I don't know anything about you know uh you know his film, right? I haven't watched the film, but I see a guy from Georgia that's six four, basically 250 pounds, and runs a four 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 forty, which is crazy, with 34-inch arm length. Right, but you go in the fifth round uh, on a defense where everyone else on that defensive line is going top 10, top 15. Like those guys are flying off the board. Even the one I think there was an edge rusher, was he from 
did they go to Philly? I feel like they're all going to Philadelphia, but yeah, yeah Nolan Smith, Nolan Smith, with number thirty to the Eagles. He still went late, One. first first round, right? Like those guys are all going first round. Why are you not going first round? To me, and and you're the oldest one, right? This is a guy that's like you know fourth year senior or fifth year senior. So to me, without cutting on any film, I don't think it takes a rocket science to say there's something not quite right with this prospect when every other guy from Georgia, they're flying off the boards. And you have everything teams are looking for. The height, the weight, the length, the speed. And you went fifth round. That's a, that's a, I had to throw a flag. That's a huge red flag. Do, do you not agree? Croc throwing a flag early in this, uh, in this episode of Lockdown 49ers. I totally agree. And when you do put on the tape, it makes you understand maybe why. And first of all, when you put on the tape, Croc, he's hard to find because he's not on the field all the time. He's a rotational player, even starting, and he started eight of 15 games. So he didn't start every game, but I think it's just part of the rotation. Was he on the field or was he not? But, you know, the, the role I don't think changed much game to game for him um, as a as a sort of a 3-4, sort of, sort of a stand-up outside linebacker, off-ball backer at times, dropping into coverage at times, hand on the ground, rushing the passer at times. So defensive end slash outside backer, he's, he's going to play at that DN role, but good could rush as a stand-up rusher for the 49ers. But um, I kept getting – because he's wearing number 33 as a defense line. 13. A guy that was built exactly the same as wearing 13. I was like, oh, there he is. I was like, oh, that's 1-3, not 3-3. That's not him. And he's just on the field, off the field, and he was moving around a lot, so it was hard to find him sometimes. But it was also hard to find him because he wasn't – he just wasn't making that many impactful plays. I think if I'm the 49ers, right, and and again – and I watched the film. All right, so actually, let's talk about the film first. It was kind of hard to to really find him. But the one thing that's been difficult with the Georgia defensive guys, think about the guys that are going really high. A lot of, you know, Jordan Davis, interior guy. Uh, the kid that went top 10 this year and probably would have been top five if not for some of the off-field concerns, interior guy. Their edge rushers, even though Walker went number one overall a year ago, and people kind of questioned that, but hey, Trent Bulky special, they – their, their path to the quarterback is very unique. And I think for him as well. So if there is a silver lining, and I know I was hard on the, the red flag, and I, and I don't regret throwing the red flag on him, but watching them is definitely not a defense that's like the 49ers. What do we know about the 49ers defense? Why nine? Pin your ears back. Get upfield and get to that quarterback. Don't worry about everything else. Uh, the, the the linebackers, they'll clean it up. You know, we'll have the length, the gaps for them, and we'll let other draft picks like D. Winters and, and these other guys get after it. But for edge rushers, we want you to use that ability, that speed, and get upfield right now and turn that corner and get to the quarterback. That is not Georgia's defense. They you talked about it. Is it a three, four defense? I, I don't know exactly what it is. And I'm not this big schematic person uh, defensively, but just from an ability standpoint, it almost feels like kind of the equivalent to Kyle Shanahan's offense, where for some of these guys, it feels like there's a lot of thinking involved and in how much can the thinking take away from some of your athletic ability. So when you do see a guy that's as freakishly athletic as this, how much was he just thinking on his way to potentially being a pass rusher for Georgia? Uh, Walker's numbers a year ago, a lot of people questioned it. You didn't see just this great production. And there was a lot of 
uh, projecting what that might look like at the next level. But Jacksonville Jaguars and Trent Baalke said, we don't care. We're going to take him number one overall regardless. When I look at this film here, I see some of the same where I don't know exactly what his responsibilities are on his way to the quarterback, but it's definitely not a guy that just, hey, I'm, a, I'm this great long-arm athlete, and I'm just going to put these pass rush moves uh, you know, to the test every single play and get after the quarterback. So uh, I think although there are a lot of red flags in the sense of why he was drafted in the fifth round, uh, you know, in, in comparison to a lot of his teammates that he played with, but also I could see where maybe you see a better version of him with the 49ers just because the scheme is set up for a guy like him to be a little bit more successful. Uh, I think it's all well said on all points there, Croc. And you mentioned all the defensive linemen. So last year there was Trayvon Walker went number one. There was um, Davis who went, what, 12, 13, something like that. And then uh, Devontae Wyatt, who went to the end of the first round, another D tackle. And then there was Jalen Carter this year. There was Nolan Smith. So that's five guys. That's just the D line. They got the second level guys. Oh yeah, Corey Walker was a first round pick. Walker. Uh, I mean, they 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 got they got guys flying off at the second level as well. Right, Smith, right. Not for um, the Smith, right? The linebacker Smith. He went to Philadelphia as well. Yeah, no. He had the shoulder surgery and the issues, and that kind of knocked him down. So he got drafted third round. But I mean, just their their front seven typically is front seven. I don't know what the hell defense they play, but typically those guys they're, they're for Georgia they are flying off of the boards, and and for Bill that was not the case. Right. And so you could make the argument that, well, he would have been a starter for three years on another defense. He just happened to be behind these guys. So I think that might be some of the arguments like, OK, well, if he, he only started eight games uh, in his fifth uh, his fifth year, his fifth year senior season in 2022. And he only started two games his entire college career before that, which were all in, in the 2021 season. Was um, was it just because he had you know, he was a four star that had five stars in front of him. Is that the reason, you know, or was he just a, a reserve player and, and that's just all he was. And so um, it's, 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 it's kind of a chicken or the egg argument with Robert Beal, but I think you hit on something that's very interesting that we'll get to next croc. And, and that is just scheme alone, but also with his ability, is there a lot more there, you know, production wise in the NFL than there was for him in college. So let's touch on that aspect of it and touch a little bit more on his game on film and, uh, and some other background notes on Robert Beal jr. The 49ers fifth round edge rusher out of Georgia next. Today's episode of locked on 49ers is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs, because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to five or no, excuse me, up to <laughs> the no sweat first bet is growing crock. It's up to $2,500. Now that's $2,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win and there is no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sports book in FanDuel. There's NHL playoffs. So go along with NBA playoffs. We've got a heat at Celtics game seven, which is unbelievable. Celtics favored in this one by seven and a half points. By the time some of you listen to this podcast, that game will be over and we will know who advanced um, to the finals between the Celtics and the heat. So uh, you can get on all the action, NBA, NHL, major league baseball all summer long. And of course, NFL futures as well. So go to FanDuel right now and you can sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
Okay, Greg. So uh, the star-studded defensive front there for Georgia, and that's what Robert Beal walked into when he was a, uh, a four-star recruit out of the state of Georgia, stayed in-state. He had first had, uh, and like he had a lot of offers. You know, he, he wasn't quite a five-star guy, but he was a four-star recruit. Number eight, weak side defensive end in the 2017 recruiting class. Number 11 recruit in the entire state of Georgia. Uh, and he got offers from Alabama and Florida State and Clemson and LSU, Michigan, Ohio State, Stanford, Texas, USC. So all the big times. He actually committed to Notre Dame, decided to stay, though, in, in state. Uh, These are good schools, man. Stanford, like, a- a- academically, you're talking about a guy, he's no dummy, right? Like, this right. is a smart guy. He just decided, you know, I'm going to stay and represent Georgia, which – Georgia per capita, I mean, they have a ton of talent. Georgia, uh, there's another, I think, uh, Louisiana, some states that don't have as many people as like California, but they're putting out prospects at no, uh, just a super high rate. So uh, for him to be the, I think it was the 11th overall prospect coming out of Georgia, that, that says a lot because, I mean, that's an extremely talented state. So I misspoke earlier. I said he was a fifth-year senior. He was actually a sixth-year senior because he, he redshirted that true freshman season in 2017, uh, then got on the field and had 15 tackles in 2018 in his redshirt freshman season. But then he entered the transfer, transfer portal croc in December of 2019 after his third year there, which was his redshirt sophomore year. I think he saw the writing on the wall, right? He saw the guys in front of him. He's like, I'm, I might not get much playing time on this Georgia defense. So he entered the portal but ended up withdrawing his name a month later and sticking around at Georgia. So then, uh, you know, got in the field a little bit, uh, you know, the, the COVID season in 2020, no stats. He played seven games, but, but nothing to show for it on the stat sheet, no tackles, eight tackles the year before. Then as a redshirt junior, 2021, 23 tackles, six and a half sacks, seven and a half for loss. That would have been his best season production wise, a couple pass defense too. So, you know, he ranges out in, into uh, coverage at times. And then last year, 2022, his final season, his sixth year in college um, as a, as a super senior there with the extra COVID year, 26 tackles total, three tackles for loss, three sacks and one forced fumble on the season. So, you know, not a ton of production at all. Um, five, six years, five of those where he actually uh, was, on the roster and playing 10 and a half total sacks, 12 tackles for loss and 72 tackles in entire his entire college career. So not productive at all. Now you, you mentioned something there when you, when you put on the tape and you watch Robert Beal and we'll get into the strengths and weaknesses, but they, they do not ask. And Nolan Smith wasn't super productive stats wise. You mentioned the other edge guy in Trevon Walker went number one overall crazy traits, right? But not super productive um, stats wise. And he wasn't super productive in the NFL last year either. And that was one of the arguments with Trayvon Waters. He's got all these traits. He's going to be more productive in another scheme. And there were times he looked okay. Times he was like, eh, I'm not so sure. He was that number one overall guy. So that's where I struggle with Robert Beal. Is he just not going to ever be a super productive player and there's something really missing in his game? Or when he's allowed to pin his ears back and go after the quarterback, are we going to see a really different player? Because I don't think he was allowed to do that a lot at Georgia and they were playing a lot of, you know, kind of let's play the run, set the edge and play the run on the way to the quarterback. So you saw a lot of that, like, just like, eh, let's see, let's see. Okay. Let's go get the quarterback. And when he does let it rip, you do see some traits on tape occasionally. Now that's the part right there where I think as a 49er fan, you could be a little excited because he, he doesn't have to be the guy here. Heck you, you can play him 12 snaps in a game and be fine with that. If all those 12 snaps are third down plays and you want somebody that's just 
going to be a hill raiser off of the edge and get after the quarterback. And can the 49ers, as far as what, working on his development, start start there? All right. You, you know, now maybe they go the opposite way and they're like, well, actually, yes, he has all these traits. But we actually like him against the run first, right? Like, you know, he is this strong guy. Uh, he can be stout because of the defense they played at Georgia. Let's actually use him in early downs. But I think for what we're wanting, you want that guy that can compliment Nick Bosa when teams are throwing the ball. Now, another red flag. All right. Another red flag here. It, uh, Georgia. They, they beat a lot of teams pretty bad. So wouldn't that mean that those teams are in more situations where they have to throw? So why aren't him and Nolan Smith and Walker, like why aren't they more productive when these teams, I mean, I watched them against Arkansas, not this season, uh, the past season. And I mean, they just, they just destroyed, they destroyed Arkansas. Arkansas couldn't do anything. But all of a sudden it's like, well, Arkansas just has to throw the ball. And, all right, where are these guys that just are these hellraisers off of the edge getting after the quarterback with all these athletic traits? With guys like even like Quay Walker, I remember the, the most eye-popping play for Walker was just his closing speed to a quarterback. Looked like some uh, D-winners type stuff. Where I'm like, whoo, look how he closed on Bryce, Bryce Young, you know? So I, I would like, again, that's still a little bit of a red flag trying to figure out where does he fit best with the 49ers? Is it a guy that's early downs against the run because they had to defend the run so much, especially on early down? Or is it a guy where you're like, all right, maybe this hasn't been a strength of his, but we just want to really try to open up and utilize that athleticism in a wide nine, which he's actually more suited to play. And I say with guys that you draft in the fifth round, you could take more of a risk on somebody fitting something very specific like that uh, to your team. And I do think there will be more in Chris Kosarek's, you know, the, the scheme on the defensive line, the wide nine coming off the edge with a little bit more fire and, and um, you know, a little bit more purpose in, in where you're trying to end up. The question is, is there a little bit more there or is there a lot more there? And so we mentioned the thing about being behind all these other first round draft picks. Well, once Trayvon Walker went to college and you're a six year senior and you're still rotating in with, you know, a, a guy who's three, four years younger than you, another sophomore, which who I'm sure is a, a big time recruit as well. But it's just like, OK, even at that point, six year super senior, you're still not the guy off the edge. Uh, that's worrisome. And even when he had the opportunities to really go get quarterbacks, like you mentioned, with uh, a a team in Georgia that you have a big lead in a lot of these games. He still wasn't really getting home quickly enough. And when he did win croc, the number one thing I saw almost every time when he did win was because of his arm length. And so that's where I think you could dare to dream a little bit because he's not the biggest guy, obviously uh, he undersized for, for edge rush purposes in the NFL, just under six, four, just under 250 pounds, but he's got these really long arms. And, and I, it was hard for me to tell if he was just, winning with his arms because they're so long and he just could get by guys because they couldn't get into his chest or if there was some technique involved. And so you hope that there was a lack of technique because that means you could help. He could be taught how to be even better with his hands and his arms, which would help, help um, you know, accelerate his, his learning and his path to getting to the quarterback, uh, you know, because it, it's weird to see a guy who's that raw and couldn't earn a lot of playing time being that athletic and that high of a, a recruit and being around that long. So something just didn't quite add up there with yeah. what I saw from him on the field. And what, when you look at his entire package and his entire, um, uh, his entire athletic profile. This is the guy I was most excited about 
just when the draft happened and after you look at the draft, oh, maybe D winners more. But in the sense of just being excited, it was like D winners and Robert Bill. Just because I am I, I love high end traits. I like guys that are just kind of freaks and they do these things that are flashy. And I, I bank on the coaching staff to get these guys to be more consistent, right? That's why I haven't given up on Trey Lance yet. It's like, hey, get this guy to just be consistent. Now you got this super high-end players. So when I see Robert Bill, I'm not giving up on the fact that he could potentially be good. It's just alarming certain things where I'm just like, ah, oh, it doesn't quite make sense with all the other Georgia guys. But still having that ability, I'm excited to see how the 49ers really work to get that to be just – more consistent, and can you get him to be a guy opposite Nick Bosa? Because ultimately, that's what we're looking for. You got Drake Jackson. I hear all the reports. Drake Jackson, he looks great in the sense of his body, and he's taking care of it, and he's trying to take that next step. I don't know, but somebody got to be that guy. And if it's Robert Bill, again, I like the high upside. I like the traits. That's It's really interesting to see how that works out. Yeah, consistency is big because I, I want to see more consistency after five college years than what he showed on tape. And I want to see, you know, maybe a little bit more like heavier hands when he is setting the edge. And, and generally he got the job done setting the edge. And like I said, kind of playing the the run on the way to the quarterback. Um, but I want to see more uh, definitive wins in the run game. I want to see more definitive wins in the passing game. I just didn't see enough of those on tape. And Croc, tell me if I'm wrong. I didn't quite see 4-4 speed show up on tape he's athletic and he really looks the part with his long arms and he's rocked up and, and muscled up but i didn't quite see the four four speed and i think maybe it might be just a lack of he does get off the line quick which is what chris kosarek pointed to they talked about the the, the gtfo uh time for him and he, he was pretty good at getting off the line but it wasn't like an explosive movement off the line. And I think that's where you look at his athletic testing and you watch him play and you're like wait a second okay he ran he ran four four but 30 inch vertical, uh, four four two short shuttle, seven two six three cone, fourteen bench press reps. I know he has got long arms, and as a long armed guy myself, I know how it can hinder your bench press. But he, if you take the forty time out of it, his numbers were actually pretty pedestrian as far as testing goes. And I think there is a lack a lack of functional explosion, even though there is some speed to his game, if that makes sense. But even then, let's say there's there's a lack of some of those things. But still, the super long arms, like he, the, the, you know, the height, just that length, you know. I always think of edge rushers and that that one arm stab. I, I think for him, he's definitely a guy that can develop more uh, pass rush moves. But again, it's it's kind of hard because there was just so much thinking involved. At least what it looked like to me, in the way he played defense. So putting it together, having more of a pass rush plan, I think those are the things that are going to really help him uh, be able to contribute more to the 49ers defense. Yeah. I, I want to see him coming off the end uh, with a, in the wide nine scheme and, you know, setting the edge or getting upfield as a pass rusher. I think that'll be exciting and less moving around less, you know, less in coverage, even though he can do that. He's pretty athletic and, and, and can do some of those things. If you need him to go, you know, if you're trying to change things up, show zone blitz or whatever, and go hang out in the, in the flat, I think he can do that, but really just giving him just saying, okay, this is third down. You're on the field. You're lined up way wide. You're trying to beat that man around and get to the quarterback. Can you do it? Like, let, let's focus on on that simple one task. And so that's where I want to see if he uh, takes off. And if he doesn't, then his NFL career might not be that long. And but w- being able to run a four four and being that big, I, I think he will have some value on special teams, which is his path to the roster spot, and then getting in the door, and then getting an opportunity to play on defense. Right. 
it was more difficult evaluation though, compared to, I would say this, this area of the draft, you mentioned it with D winters and then, um, Darrell Luter, right in the, the, the first fifth round pick. So the two fifth rounders in Luter, Beal, and then the sixth rounder in winters, uh, Winters and Luter were pretty easy evaluations, I think, for me. A little bit more difficult with Beal, but again, some high-end traits to work with, which excite you when you are when you can run 4-4 at that size and you have these long arms. That's tantalizing. Let's see if Chris Cossera can get more out of Robert Beal than, uh, than the Georgia defensive staff was able to. But I think if the 49ers do hit on one of those guys, it's in that fifth, sixth-round area. Right. And they've done well there, and I think that's what the fans and, and everyone's banking on. One of those guys, and probably 49ers too. Look, you, you don't have these high draft picks. Can we get one of those guys in that range right there? Because the kicker, he's going to be productive. He's going to be on the field. You know, you, you got the tight end, and, and, and you want to see kind of what happens with him and all that with Latou. Okay. But right there, those two fifths in that six, can we get one starter out of those guys? Can you get one starter and one role player? Right. That'll be a huge key to this draft with not having any high picks. And, you know, you drafted a kicker in the third and you got a backup tight end in the third. So you need, you know, you need uh, Jair Brown to be a starter and you need one of those, those other guys, those fifth, sixth rounders. One of those guys needs to be a starter, get some value with some role players. Now you're cooking. And they don't have to be stars. I think we look at George Kittle. He has a fifth round pick. He's, he's a superstar. Uh, for these guys, can you be Diamondo Lenore? Who... Hey, man, like, if you need me to start, I can start. I can play games, and we can still have the number one defense in the NFL. Can you uh, see that? One more note on Beal. Uh, I want to talk about Steve Wilkes and if we expect to be a lot different on defense. Talking defense today on Locked On 49ers next. Thanks once again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out to all of the everydayers. We appreciate you so much whether it's on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. If you're not an everydayer, make sure you subscribe up. And you can always hit us on Twitter as well and say hi at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker and uh, maybe get involved with uh, a mailbag segment upcoming. And, and we're always going live on YouTube at least once a week, sometimes twice a week here on Locked On 49ers. Did you see with Beal any – this is where I struggled with him because it was like, oh, there was a nice play. You know, he made the play. But did you see the thing like, oh, that right there. Let's do that. Let's keep doing that more and more and more and more. Because I never really saw him go, okay, I'm getting the corner and I'm dipping under and I'm going to turn the corner and get low. Or I'm going to really just jar somebody at the line of scrimmage and shed him and, and make a play. It was kind of, everything was kind of like, um, made the play, but didn't like, it, it didn't blow me away. Right. And I just wanted to see the one thing where I was like, there's the thing, do more of that. And I just kind of never really saw it. Even when he won, it was kind of like, okay, I've got long arms and I'm going to get by it. But it wasn't like, Boom, boom. You know, it's hard to explain, but it's just, I, I wanted to see one thing jump out of me. Do you, you see anything jump out where, you're like, oh, there it is, Robert Beal, keep doing that? Yeah, no, nah, it, it wasn't there. And I know what you mean. That, that one thing you can hang your hat on and we can count on him to, to be that. All right, let's say Debo Samuel. I think, and we've talked a lot about his game and how maybe he hasn't taken his game and maybe kind of went backwards in the sense of just being a route runner. Something I thought coming out of college, Debo actually could run routes. And now it's like, oh, just get the ball in his hands. But at least you know I can I can hang my hat on just getting the ball in Debo's hands and he's going to do the rest after the catch or hands slant, off. Slant God, right? right. Remember? Slant oh. God. It was like, dude, this guy, he was – Debo Samuel in college averaged, I think it was 30 yards per slant. Yeah. Average last year. Week, yeah. When you target him on a slant, he averaged 30 yards, which is insane. 
and so it was like I called him Slant God right out of the gate because it was like, okay, he can do that, and there is no doubt about it. With Beal, it's like I think he might be able to do some things, okay, but where's the thing he could just do great? Like Winters is like, oh, this guy triggers, gets downhill, and can go after it. Like clear as day, you can see it from the first snap that you watch him. Um, you know, Darrell Luter, long arms, uh, he's he, he can turn and run with guys, and and you and you know press man and you can just you see this very easily with with Beal, I, just, I just never really saw it. i saw some things he could do but i never saw the things like he'll be this for sure right there were a couple of times i i feel like he like went unblocked and he and they were trying to put him in a pickle to see you know if he would either bite down or if he'd still be able to make a play in space and then he made the play in space but that's not necessarily something you can hang your hat like teams aren't just going to let you be free every snap Right. right, you're gonna get one of those a game, maybe where you yeah. have a chance to to do that. And he might be better at that than Nick Bosa. I remember uh, that was kind of the thing in the Kansas City Chiefs game. Kansas City, game, where yeah. Kansas City Chiefs were like, "Um, we're not gonna block Nick Bosa, and we're just you gonna don't, leave him out of space." It's hard to block him anyway, so let's not block him and hope that works. <laughs> right, and, and then it worked. Right, it kind of looked it looked a little crazy. Now he, I think he was coming off an injury, maybe or he was coming off of something. But they just said we're just not gonna block him. And maybe if you're like, all right, they try to do something like this again. Uh, Bill is better suited to be in that type of position where he can kind of put his foot in the ground and he just has more speed, right? Like uh, Nick Bosa was a 4'8 guy. He's explosive in that tight right. range. You know, just line the scrimmage, getting to the quarterback, line the scrimmage, getting past his tackle. You know, like that's Nick Bosa's game. Uh, not leave me out in space against, I don't know, guys that run 4'4s. Like, this, this is not, that's yeah. not his thing. But maybe that could be Bill's thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and chasing down those athletic quarterbacks. 49ers haven't been great at that. Maybe that'll be something that he's he's really good at. Um, okay, so D winners. Look, look, we talk about these things with D winners and 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 uh, you know he triggers quick. Oh, the ultimate spy. Just okay. You got an athletic quarterback. We're gonna spy you with D winners, and you are not getting in the way. No, I kind of like that. So you're spying with D winters, and then you're containing on the other side with Beal. And there you got some athleticism to to run down those athletic. There we go. We just figured it out. We're onto something there. Uh, how different do you expect things to look for Steve Wilkes? defense crock because you said something interesting on uh on social media yesterday uh about wilkes and, and the new defensive coordinator and and why it might not look very different and we, we've talked about this a little bit but you know it's one of the things where you look at the 49ers like okay the quarterback position could be weird but i think they'll figure it out and they have three options to get it right and they should be okay even in the worst of those three options to be able to win some football games and they have so much talent everywhere but like another uh, another defensive coordinator is there you know and a guy they call it Kyle Shannon doesn't call plays on defense. Right. So like, could that be a place where it's like, Oh man, it's, it's a little weird on defense this year. So I was asked a question on social media. Actually, I, I, I quote tweeted that, you know, Deandre Hawkins, he got released and I'm like, Hey, 49 got everything he's looking for. The, the, the initial tweet for him was he's looking for a team that has a quarterback that, players rally around i think that's three franchise quarterbacks if we got three it, yeah. you know, brock, brock purdy's the leader in the clubhouse and it feels like all the teammates love him and in, in, in the front office so it's okay you got a quarterback that rallies the troops you got a guy that people can get behind and then it was like a gm that solidified well you know you hear the offseason stuff is it going to go to tv but it, you know hey at the end of the day if it's not john lynch it's kyle shanahan they're both pretty much a gm and you're solidified there and then the other one was a defense. And the 49ers had a number one defense last year. And I got a response from someone saying, well, good luck with the defense. It's probably not going to be that good. You guys lost your defense coordinator. And I was like, oh, I'm going to let you know a little secret here. 
Four Nights defensive coordinator is really Kyle Shanahan. Like that, that's that he's the guy. And when he went through the hiring process, all right, and it's it's been like that for years now. All right, well, you know what, Robert Sala, you're gonna come here, but I'm gonna identify you as the guy because I want you to run this defense. You're gonna run the Seattle scheme. You came from that defense. I really like that defense. I understand the rules and different things. You see how I just destroyed the Seattle Seahawks in the postseason. So I know how to attack it, but I want you to run that defense. And then when it wasn't working, it's like, you know what? Hey, we could probably do these things and go to more of a too high. And, and then that can kind of eliminate some of that crosser. So I want Salah, I want you to run that. And then okay, hey, we're gonna hire a new defensive coordinator, Domingo Ryan's. I want you to run the defense that we were just running at the end of the tenure for Robert Sala. So run that defense, D'Amico Ryans. And uh, Kelly Witherspoon, hey, I don't want him in the game. So I'm I'm also going to kind of put my foot down sometimes when it comes to some of your personnel that's out there as well. All right. And then D'Amico, I mean, excuse me, uh, yeah, D'Amico goes off. And now he has to hire another coordinator. A lot of people thought it would be Fangio. Um, no, it's not going to be Fangio because I can't tell Fangio what to do. All right. So I'm going to go hire Wilkes. And Wilkes, I really, you know, I like you for your mind, and I like the way you're able to relate to players and things like that. Continue to be that guy, but you're going to run the defense that I want you to run. So really secretly, will there be a drop-off? It's hard to maintain being just the number one defense every year, but I think the defense will be really good because the guy pulling the strings on the defense is actually Kyle Shanahan. He calls plays to his defense. We talked about his conservative nature, and, I, and you'll dive deeper into those stats. All right. I've talked about how I thought it was really weird. I'm like, man, you got Debo Samuel, and you got Brandon Ayuk, and you got George Kittle, and you got Chris Mick. You got all these guys, and you got, and you got. It's just a ton of guys. But you know what? I'm still going to be very conservative, and I'm going to lean on this defense because secretly he runs the defense, and he thinks like a defensive coach. Uh, so I, I think that there won't be as much of a drop-off. I think at the end of the day, this will still be a team that's a top-eight team defensively. Now, Going up from number one to number eight, obviously there is a drop-off there, but I don't think it'll be a noticeable drop-off in the sense of just the 49ers being a bad defensive team. And, yeah, it really comes down to, you know, just calling the plays on the field in the game. If, if the scheme's the same and, you know, they're working together and, and Kyle Shanahan has a big hand in it, could he? Could it be that bad of him? Just he's not good play caller. Like that, it right. would have to be at that level for the 49ers defense to drop off because of their defensive coordinator. Uh, in all likelihood, uh, you, you, you tease something there, Croc. We're out of time here today. Let's get into it tomorrow with Wink on another Winky Wednesday episode. Uh, there are some stats here about conservative coaches and they uh, their, their longevity in their job positions. And the six teams that had the highest punt rate on fourth and ones from their own 40-yard line or closer last year. So I'm going to tease that stat. Uh, I'm going to tease another stat about how Often 49ers have a quarterback that plays every game for them over the course of the season. And it seems like it's not a lot. It's even fewer than I think most people realize. Also, Christian McCaffrey talking about running back value, which I think is fascinating, too. This is something I've talked about a lot and something I've talked about as it pertains to Christian McCaffrey and his value to the 49ers. So all that coming up on future episodes of Locked On 49ers. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen back tomorrow right here. Locked On 49ers. Subscribe to this video.